Good morning, I'm Jack, I'm a campaigner at Tear Fund and I live in Worcester. And thank you for inviting me to join you today. In today's reading from Matthew, Jesus is frustrated. Time and again, he's been trying to teach the disciples that he can and will work through them if only they would trust him. Through the Gospels, we see this again and again. Jesus including people in his miracles to teach them that he can and will work through them. Whether it's an abundance of fish when they finally lower their nets one more time, or feeding 5,000 people when they share out what they have, or the story of Jesus praising the widow when she offered two small coins in the temple. Jesus saying that he can and will work through even the smallest acts and gifts of faith. Even the mountains will move, he says, if we just have the faith to step out and tell them to move. Jesus wants to work through us, promises, that, promises us that he can and shows his disciples again and again that he will if only they would step out and trust him. But so often we can be like those disciples, can't we? Overwhelmed by the mountains in front of us, losing sight of the God who is so much greater. So today, as we think about the climate crisis, I want to encourage you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who is greater than any mountain we could face. And the one who wants to use even the smallest gifts or actions to move mountains in this world. So let's consider the mountain for a moment. In our work at Tear Fund, we are seeing the climate crisis impacting people all over the world already. This isn't some future threat. This is a reality that millions are already living through and a reality that will get worse if we don't act quickly. Over the past 50 years of Tear Fund, we have seen millions of people lift themselves out of extreme poverty, transform their communities. We've seen churches come alive, bringing hope to the world. And it's an incredible story of God at work through his local church. People seeing their families and communities lifted out of poverty, able to reach more of their God-given potential. But in more recent years, we've begun to see the impacts of climate change undoing some of that progress. People being pushed back into poverty, who've worked so hard to lift themselves out of it, or people pushed deeper into poverty as a result of more severe droughts or floods, storms where there didn't used to be, or changing weather patterns. Coming up on your screen now is a picture of Orbisa, She's 35 and she lives in Ethiopia with her children and her family and they work hard rearing goats and cattle to make a living. And a colleague of mine met her just before the pandemic and she said that a few years ago her community could rely on the rains. She knew just when they would come but now the rains are far less predictable and she can often end up walking up to 10 hours a day just to find water for her family to drink. This is what she said to my colleague. We used to get rain every four to five months. 
The area was very fertile and green, but it hasn't rained for six months and I don't know when it will rain next. I feel worried whenever I think about the future. This lack of rain has killed nearly nine out of ten of her cows and nearly half of her goats as well. And what's happening to Orbisa is a consequence of the way we've already heated up the planet. The world is already warmed by one degree Celsius and we're seeing the impacts all around the world on people like Orbisa. But what's even more worrying is that scientists estimate we're on track for a lot more warming. And if we reach two degrees Celsius, we could see a hundred million more people struggling to get water. A hundred million more people experiencing what Orbisa is living through. But there is still time to prevent this if we act now. Scientists say that we need to reduce global emissions right down to zero as fast as possible. Reducing them almost half this decade and then all the way down to zero before 2050. That means that in this next decade, between now and 2030, the way that we travel, what we eat, how we heat our homes, um, where our power comes from, how much we consume, all of it needs rethinking. This is one huge and incredibly steep mountain ahead of us. So I want us to think, what does it look like to to respond as followers of Jesus. To help us think about this, I want us to turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Esther, where I think we find such an amazing example of faith and courage in the face of a huge mountain. So Esther is a young Jewish girl. She's adopted by her older cousin, Mordecai, um, and she is chosen to become one of the king's wives and she becomes queen. Now this isn't really a romance story. Esther has no say or choice in the matter. It's a story of a powerful and controlling king who exploits his people. And a while later, um, Mordecai hears about a plot to wipe out all of God's people. And rightly so, Mordecai is shocked, he's horrified, he tears his clothes and he goes to the gates and cries out about this injustice. And then he rushes to Esther and asks her to go to the king and ask him to stop this from happening. But Esther doesn't have much power. If she went to the king when she wasn't invited, not only would she be breaking the law, but she could even be killed. But Esther's response to Mordecai is amazing. Let me read it to you. Esther chapter four, verse 16. She says to Mordecai, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Even though she didn't feel powerful or significant herself, she knew that God could do the impossible. And so she had the courage to play her part, trusting that God could use her. So let's look at her response in a bit more detail. 
first she says, go gather together the people and let's fast and pray. She knew that overcoming this mountain wasn't something that she could do in her own strength. This was God's mission. And so they began in fasting and prayer, fixing their eyes on God and crying out to him to act. And then, and only after that, she said she would step forward, trusting that God could use her and challenge the king. So first, she responds in prayer and in fasting. And second, she takes action, trusting that God can use her. So let's look at both of those responses. First, prayer. Walter Wink, the theologian and activist, once said, history belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. I love that quote, history belongs to the intercessors. And we've seen God move in some amazing ways when we pray together at Tear Fund. Last year, we were campaigning about the literal billions of pounds our government has supported fossil fuel projects overseas, uh, making the climate crisis worse, investing in big fossil fuel projects in developing countries. And lots of campaigners and organisations have been pushing for change for years. And it looked like we were about to win the campaign and see the government commit to stop investing in these huge fossil fuel projects. Um, but the decision stalled at the Prime Minister's office and we were unsure on our next steps. We tried everything we knew to try, we'd done all we could and it had fallen at the final hurdle. We were beginning to wonder if we were going to be campaigning about it for another year to try again. So we asked people to join us in prayer. I messaged a thousand or so people who commit to praying with us each week about the climate crisis. And I asked them to pray that it would become unstuck in number 10. A week later, we heard that the conversations were happening again. We didn't know what direction it might go, no decisions had been made, but the conversation was happening. So we asked everyone to keep praying. And just two weeks after that, we heard the most amazing news. The Prime Minister announced publicly that the UK would stop directly funding fossil fuel projects overseas, becoming one of the first major economies to commit to doing something like that. This was an answer to prayer. Within a few weeks, we had seen an issue that had got stuck and didn't seem to be going anywhere to an amazing public announcement of change. For years, people have been campaigning, writing to their MPs, uh, signing petitions. And at that final hurdle, we saw God at work answering our prayers. When we face this mountain of the climate crisis, we must begin in prayer, fixing our eyes on the God who is greater than any mountain we could face. Now, if you want to get those prayer updates, if you want to join in with me praying about this sort of thing, it's really easy. I send them out as text messages each week and you can find the information at uh, tearfund.org forward slash pray for climate. So after gathering people to fast and pray, Esther's second response was to speak up to ask the king to act, even though she knew it was against the law and she might even lose her life. 
but she found the courage to speak up, trusting that God could use her. In the story, we see that Mordecai spoke up to Esther and Esther challenged the king. Both of them um, having conversations to bring about change and both of them influencing the circles that God had already put them in. And I think this is really significant. Just like Esther and like Mordecai, God can use you wherever you already are. So where has God placed you that you might be able to take action and use your own voice to bring change? Where might God be inviting you to speak up? Catherine Hayhoe, who's a Christian and a world-leading climate scientist, once said the most important thing you can do to fight climate change is to talk about it. So perhaps you could start a conversation with family or with friends about why you think climate change matters, ways that you could learn together to live more sustainably. Or perhaps you could have a conversation in the place that you work. Could you ask your employer, do they have a plan to reduce their emissions and how can you help make that a reality? Or maybe it could be your school. Could you ask your teachers if they could teach more about climate change or see if they could make sure the school gets its energy from renewable sources? Or finally, maybe it's even your own church. How can you as a community talk about climate change, ways that you can respond together and help bring change in your wider community too? We teamed up with uh, 10 other organisations to form the Climate Emergency Toolkit last year to help churches think both about their own impact and how they can serve and impact their wider community too. So to summarise, in Matthew, Jesus reminds his disciples that he is greater than any mountain they could face. And in Esther, we see that by fixing our eyes on God, we can find the faith and the courage to speak up, knowing that God can use us when we do. Where might you be able to use your voice to bring change? We're gonna watch a video in a moment that will give you a, mo a chance to think and pray about that. But one really easy and important first step you can take to use your voice um, would be to sign our latest petition. So at Tear Fund, we are running the Reboot campaign and we've joined with the Climate Coalition to call on the UK government to make sure that tackling climate change is right at the heart of their plans to reboot the economy after the pandemic. And we would love for you to join us in asking them to do that. And if you want to, you can add your name to that petition by going to www.tearfund.org forward slash declaration. So now for that video, um, I want to share this with you. It's a message from young people um, in the church about how they think we as Christians should be moved by faith to respond to the climate crisis. So as we watch that, I want to encourage you to sign that petition and to ask God where you might be able to start conversations about climate change in the coming weeks. We are moved by faith. 
We hear God's call to creation care and see a world that's been neglected, a world that's on fire. And if we, the church, don't care enough to put it out, who will? We are in a climate emergency. Extreme weather conditions are destroying people's livelihoods. Natural disasters are leaving many without a place to call home. And people's lives are being lost. Those who contributed to this problem the least are suffering the most. We don't just care because it may one day affect us. We care because it's already affecting thousands around the world. And soon, we will pass a point of no return. If we sit back and do nothing, many more lives will be lost. To do nothing is to turn our backs to our God-given duty. It is up to us as those who are called to love our neighbor to do just that. How can we claim to love God if we do not care about his creation? How can we claim to love others when we are burning down their house? We, the church, must love in action and not just word. We must hear the cries of a world in peril and use our platform to respond with the love of Jesus. A love that disrupts the status quo and inconveniences itself to bring restoration. This is our responsibility. This is our worship. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love to work through us, that you love to use us in your mission in this world. We are so sorry for the ways we've damaged and neglected your creation, but we ask God, would you use us to restore and to renew uh, what you have made? Would you help us find the faith and the courage to be people who live differently, who pray boldly, and who speak up in the places where you have put us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, the one who is greater than any mountain we could face. And God, would you give us the courage to know you really can use us. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit today. <laughs>